Welcome to the Here We Go podcast coming at you from Here We Go Studios in very overheated Dallas, Texas. <laughs> Just buckle up, man. It's not even the end of May yet. It is mid-May. It's hot. We've already been told we have to turn our thermostats up. Can you believe, and it's, it's ERCOT, right? ERCOT just makes me think it's of the, the, the theme park in Florida. Epcot. Epcot. Um, that they had the audacity to ask us to conserve energy this weekend. Here's my thing. This is my biggest thing. I'm 32 years old. I have lived in this state my entire life. This is not an old problem. This is a very new problem to where I am. I don't understand how come they haven't fixed it yet. Do you have any information on that, Joe? I do, actually. I do other than, have other information. Other than the fact that six power plants were down or something like that? Well, the six power plants, that's a big deal, right? But why were they down? That I don't know. Is it because of that Unexpected. deferred maintenance from like two years ago that they still haven't fixed? It may have been. I tried to find a link because it was an article that we saw in, I think it was the Texas Journal. Right. Texas Tribune. Oh, Texas Tribune. But they didn't have the link. They said, oh, the link's in our, in the link in our bio. Guess what? No link to the article. Conspiracy theory. Yeah. Sounds like fake news to me. But when it comes to the current energy grid, one of the biggest misconceptions and misunderstandings is that the grid itself is it's very old and with the amount of electric vehicles and with the amount of things and electricity that we're using as consumers we are overloading the grid and by we are you talking about specifically texas because i don't see that many electric cars around this is a generalized But we're the only people having this problem. No, actually, we're not. What? Who else? So California also has brownouts. California doesn't count. They've been having brownouts since the dawn of time. But I think for the rest of the country, they have more interconnections and interoperability, so they can easily push power back and forth. And California and Texas are so important because we are the ones that have a significant portion of renewable energy. So we have that on top of it. We have very high wind and very high solar that is trying to intermix with everything else. And then we also have in some in some scenarios all, it's all unsuccessful. I'm saying it what was the high today? Let me look up the high. This says it got up to ninety five. Okay, ninety five. Um it's gonna be ninety eight degrees tomorrow and it is going to be above ninety five every day this week. Yep. It is mid-may yep this is not our hottest month no by far it's not if we are having this problem now we are for sure going to have this problem frequently this summer they were saying that we could have some transmission issues this summer but they were they've they're saying they've been they (sighs) joe You you do not work for the PR for for Aircot. <laughs> you don't need to defend them. <laughs> this you have to concede to the point that this is not normal, and this something needs to change to fix the problem at hand. Yeah, I agree. Are you? And is I'm, this a geothermal moment? No, it is. We need <laughs> geothermal. We need. These things called DERMs, it's Distributed Energy Resources Management Systems. Okay, that's, say that for your other podcast. <laughs> I actually had them on my other podcast. But this is, this is the thing. Our grid is not equipped to handle modern life. But we've been living modern life for the past but not, decade, five decades. But not modern life. We've been living modern-ish life. What's your definition life. of modern life? Modern life is Electrical trying life. to use solar and wind in a significant portion, trying to have electric cars, trying to electrify a significant portion of things that commonly were not electric. Modern life, when you think of... I, I got this great example on my other podcast if where... You, if you... Advertise. No, your I'm just. Other podcast. <laughs> I'm One just, more time. Just well, 
if you want to learn more, you should listen to my other oh podcast. My gosh. But just really quickly, this one example, there's four houses on this one transformer. Do you know what a transformer is? Yes, Joe, I know what a okay. transformer is. I don't really know what a transformer is, so <laughs> it's important to Are ask. Are you asking me so that I can tell you? No, I was just Is it seeing... like an electric hub that distributes electricity to like a segment of the grid? Yeah. There yeah. you go. So this one transformer has four houses on it. Just four? Or four is this houses. Is just your example? No, this, this is it. So this one transformer goes to four houses. Okay. That transformer may have a capacity, say, of 200 watts. Just simple math. So each house gets basically 50 watts. Now, an EV, a Tesla, to charge that Tesla is basically the same as your AC unit. So putting one Tesla on the grid may not matter that much. Maybe it's an extra 10 watts that that house is using. why isn't Tesla investing in the grid? Because that's not their business right now. He's, but he's I just, will. He's buying Twitter. He's got. He's buying Twitter. I've seen he's going to try and buy a mine. He's looking into hydrogen. This is one of those. He's problems. building Look, his own his own battery factories. Mark my words. I never want that much money. You just start. You just you lose your focus. The, you buy the interest, literally everything. Well, I think it. I agree. Buying Twitter, I don't understand. Buying a mine, so that way you directly source your product that you need to build your cars. Uh, He's vertically integrating from raw material all the way through the car. But that's protected under antitrust laws. You would think so, but... Okay, we're digressing. I got things to talk about. So far, it hasn't. So let me finish this, this example. So if there's four houses, if all four of them buy a Tesla and are all charging it at the same time, you've essentially added another house to that transformer that was never meant to have that extra house. So that's too much load for the modern grid for the, right. That's too much load, which means the grid is not prepared for it. I hear what you're saying, but that I, but what I hear you saying is the problem that Texas is having is too many electrical cars. And I'm telling you right now, there's no way that's the actual cause of the problem. Well, there's also six power plants down. Like, that's a problem. And that, combined with the missing links in this article, is the real problem. I want to know what's happening to these six power plants. And all those electric vehicles. I'm just saying, we are using a lot more power and at different like times. It sounds like you are telling people not to get electrical vehicles. I'm saying that we need to do everything all at once, including have our six power plants up. Okay, I looked up an article. It says it's only asking us to conserve energy for a five-hour period on Saturday and Sunday, uh, and six power generation facilities tripping offline. How did they trip offline, though? I will concede that ERCOT is having issues, and they need to be held a little bit more accountable because it doesn't make sense that we... Oh, even better, you want... ERCOT did not say why the plants unexpectedly tripped offline. All reserve power was operating to support the grid, the agency said. ERCOT, however, uh, has recently told multiple power generation companies to delay maintenance on their equipment so the grid could keep up with the hotter-than-usual temperatures recently, which in turn leads to elevated demand for power when Texas cranks their air conditionings. I just think there's some shenanigans. I don't like the lack of transparency, and I don't like being told yet again that I have to conserve energy. You want to know why? Because here we say this. The Vatiers, we are all about conserving energy. But what bothers me is we are the only ones conserving energy. <laughs> Most people I know, they hear that and they're like, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. Meanwhile, you and I are sweating our butts off in our houses thinking that we're <laughs> that we're part, like we're joining the team to conserve energy and we're not. It's just us. Okay, moving on. This one, I feel like you should be excited about. And maybe you'll be able to provide more background into this since you wanted to be an astronaut once upon a time. (laughs) Scientists grow first plants in moon soil. Oh, yeah. I've I've seen some of that stuff. Right. Now, 
I think this is a super overrated article. So I'm hoping you can like get me more excited about it because literally they have soil that they've taken from the moon. They have brought back to earth and they've grown plants in it. Now, is this in the article? Is this actual lunar regolith or is this a regolith? So soil, it's, it's very important. Soil is an earth thing that is living. Regolith is the lunar equivalent, but there's no living matter in regolith. So it's it's basically lunar soil, but you can't call it soil because it's not alive. But but our soil is alive? Yeah, our soil has so many different bacteria and and the and there's micro not, so there's zones. not even bacteria in space. No. Well, That's I mean if there was bacteria in space, then we would not be the only life forms. So, like, when people talk about finding aliens, we see the little green men. Right. But really what scientists are looking for are bacteria. And microbes. And microbes. That is just crazy. Little amoebas that that you have to use a microscope for. I guess I just didn't realize that, like, like what... That would be a living thing in space. I understand that. And, And, like, I understood that, but I guess, like, just now thinking about it... Because like when I read when I first saw this headline and I sent it to myself to talk about it today, I just thought to myself, the soil literally can like, what do they just need to add water to this to the earth's dirt and then you can grow something like I didn't understand. But I guess like it also needs like what is do plants need microbes and bacteria to grow? A lot of plants have some type of symbiotic relationship whenever you plant beans the beans end up having a relationship with mycorrhiza or something like that that helps fix nitrogen. And getting that nitrogen is necessary to grow is the beans. Is there no nitrogen in space, though? I don't know the lunar regolith um, composition. You don't, know, you don't know that off the back of your head? No, <laughs> I don't know it off the back of the, off the top of my head. It's going to be... It's not going to be like, like soil because it's primarily, it's primarily basalt that's been ground up from different meteorite impacts. And then on top of that, there's going to be whatever was in those meteorites. So there's very little water and the nitrogen that plants use only comes out through that bacterial microbial process to make a usable nitrogen. Man. So it does. God really knew what he was doing. Plants need that. Well, listen to this paragraph because let me tell you, we may have had plants grow out of this soil, regolith, whatever. Now, before you jump into that, okay. I do want to say there's a guy I follow on Instagram who somehow got to be a part of this experiment. Wait, really? Now that I think they sent out, it was a fake lunar soil, so it wasn't the the legitimate soil from the moon. Like, like our, fa- our mock version of it. Yeah, it was like a made-up version. That was version. his experiment? Because what I'm reading is actual moon dirt. No, they, they being NASA, or some, some, um, some extra interplanetary educational group said, this is the soil makeup. You can buy packets from us, and then you can run experiments as well. And so this guy got a bunch of lunar soil oh. and Martian soil, but fake we soil. Have, oh, I was going to say, fake. we have Martian soil. We know what the composition, of, right. we it's know what the, the composition would be. So you can make a pseudo Martian soil. And so he was running these experiments. I don't know how far he got, if he got anything to grow or not. But basically you would need, I would imagine you would need heavy fertilizer, heavy water. But basically what it would end up being is almost like a hydroponic system where the soil itself is just kind of there for support, minimal support and to hold water a little bit longer. I would imagine that you would not actually be pulling nutrients from the soils. Well, uh, let me just say that more than 50 years after astronauts brought the last moon rock samples to earth, scientists have successfully grown plants. It, and it's, this is science or space.com says lunar soil. So you feel free to write a strongly worded letter, um, from three Apollo missions for the first time, but don't get 
too excited over there. All the moon soil plants grew slowly and relatively poorly, but those grown in samples that had been more exposed on the lunar surface tended to do the worst, and genetic analysis showed changes indicative of stress. The poor growth might be cause for concern. So, uh, not too, uh, not too much good news there. And that makes sense, because anything that was exposed at the surface would have been bombarded more with... Debris. With, well, the debris may have something to do with it, but it would have more of the solar radiation. So I'm sure that if there's a scientific article, I'm sure that they would be discussing that because there's probably more radiation in that soil. Right. What if we bring bacteria to the moon? I'm pretty sure there are, there's so many international laws against that. But why why would we not be, why would we not want to bring life to like we're so concerned about finding life elsewhere what if we bring life to the moon and just like let it do its thing and see what happens that is a a good point because whenever you think of movies of like earth and the moon and colonizing those ultimately we're trying to create biomes that have right living plant matter and and growing all of that stuff I think I guess it would be like millions of years that it would I take think that's the main thing time. is that trying yeah, well, to think let's about invest, time. Let's invest now. <laughs> Make the initial investment. See how we'll the earth is doing. <laughs> now here, I, I do want to read this real quick. Okay. Regolith, a region of loose, unconsolidated rock and dust that sits atop a layer of bedrock. So that is basically the unconsolidated, broken up dust that's sitting on top of the moon. Like at the very surface. This is specific to the moon. This just says regolith. So that is the definition of regolith. Basically the unconsolidated rock matter on top of the hard rocks. On Earth, regolith also includes soil, which is a biologically active medium and a key component in plant growth. I guess like... Biologically active being the key there. Right. It makes me think of compost. Yeah. That is, I guess, compost is essentially soil. Is a is a huge component to soil. Yeah. Right, 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 right. Okay, that makes more sense. Yeah. So, science.com, I am very curious why they're saying soil. Space.com, but what <laughs> if we send compost to the moon and just, like, dump a ton of compost? Did you ever see the Martian? I did. I mean, that's basically what he takes Martian soil... And then he pulls out all the poop bags from the poop latrines area. <laughs> the poop bag place. <laughs> from, from the poop bag just depository. The poop bag vending machine. <laughs> <laughs> and he mixes human human waste, i.e. compost, with the Martian regolith to grow potatoes. That's That's like a huge big deal on how he ends up surviving. In this fictional book. Well, all I know is so far this podcast has told me don't buy an electric car, but definitely compost. So Definitely compost. <laughs> if we need to, we can start putting our poop in there. Maybe we want to use that for the flowers, though, and not what we're eating. Let's move on from poop, shall we? Without you thinking too much on it, I just like what your gut reaction. Absolutely. <laughs> if you won the lottery, what's the first thing you would do? Absolutely. <laughs> Go to Disney World. <laughs> oh, first thing I would do. I after, feel like we talked about the after lottery winning the lottery. Because did you say you would buy like a power plant or something or like an oil rig? Oh, or? that was if money wasn't an option. Oh, okay, what right. would you or like? What's the one investment you would do? Right, right, right. No, but if I won the lottery, the first thing you do, and this is the correct answer. Like some people think this is an open-ended question. There is a correct answer to this. And what's the correct answer? The correct answer is you open an LLC and you get a lawyer. Wait, but how much are we talking about here? Um, You get, let's see. What was if it's the... anything like over $10 million, you need to st- open an LLC and get a lawyer. So that way you can put all the money into a trust and you don't have to have your name connected to it. If this is in Europe. This is London. It, all it's saying is ten thousand pounds a month. But you, you like, it doesn't say what the big payout is. But it says like you will get essentially ten thousand pounds a month I for mean, the rest I'd of your life. I mean, I take that. I mean, that's that's what they got. That's money. Well, let me tell you what this sweet couple did. 
they decided to both quit their jobs. They bought a house and they are now spending their money to pursue their passion for ghost hunting. I saw that article. <laughs> now, 10,000 pounds a month, that's pretty good that's money. That's a lot of ghosts that's, to hunt for that much money. I want to say right now that would be about fourteen or $15,000 a month. So that's, I mean, that's equivalent to like 170000 a year. Right, right. Wait, this is what I think is interesting. And maybe you're listening at home and you're like, I don't get why Ali thinks this is so interesting. But first things first, we're going to break this down. Um, it, the, I, I love this paragraph. In addition to having their sights on the supernatural, Mr. Stevens, a manufacturing engineer, is continuing a master's degree in mechanical engineering. I love a good, like, uh, you never would have guess kind of situation i never would have guessed that a mechanical engineer also had a side hustle as a paranormal investigator like those two things like that's like science and like non-science like combined together like i just and and he's still continuing the sciences and and the parent i just i I'm, I don't understand. I don't know what to do, do with this guy. I do wonder there because you're going to go, you're going to get your master's. You are going to continue searching for ghosts, which means you're not going to use your degree. So if in five years you realize the ghosts aren't panning out, you're not finding them and you've squandered. Is, is the mechanical engineering his backup? Yeah. <laughs> but if he's out of it for too long, like he's going to have some trouble getting back in. Oh, wait, uh, I'm sorry. More information. The 38 year old eventually plans to open a business making paranormal investigation products. Okay. Oh, so is he using his mechanical engineer to that. do the products? Yeah, he needs that. What a great combo okay. then. Okay. I'm just impressed. I wouldn't, I like, okay. If you are a kid listening at home, which I doubt a child is listening to this podcast, but you, if you want to be an engineer, you too can go into paranormal investigation. Who knew that was like an avenue for that? I want to know what is the next big thing in paranormal investigation? I want to know what is the current thing. The current thing <laughs> is that, that little radio thing. Is that little radio that thing doesn't that work? just flies through stations as fast as possible. <laughs> and, and somehow every once in a while you get a coherent word and you think it's a ghost talking to you. Do you really think that these ghost hunters are, uh, well, firstly, we're going to back up. Do you believe in ghosts? Do I believe in ghosts? Yeah. I think that's a tough question because I definitely believe in angels and demons. Okay. But you didn't answer the question. I mean, what is a ghost? I think that's <laughs> the question. Do you want me to look up the Webster's Dictionary definition? Because do I... Th do I believe that people can be possessed? Yeah. Do I think that... Right, I see what you're saying. Do I think that somebody could be talking to you and telling you evil things? Do I think that when we die, we hang out on Earth and talk to people? No, that's ridiculous. <laughs> why, I, right. why would you do that? To your point, I think it, it... I consider the paranormal stuff, like the alien stuff, I tend to not... Uh, not care. No, I tend to not research too much of it because I, it just kind of spooks me a bit. Like the 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 mass alien abductions that you hear about sometimes, like that. I that stuff just I don't I cannot explain it. And we've talked about go look at our other podcast where we talked about aliens. To your point, as a Christian, I believe in a spiritual realm. From what I've read, ghosts just like floating around that doesn't necessarily fit with our theology. However, there are there seem to be quite a few number of people who have had these encounters. And so I don't know what to make of that. I would have to do more research in it. I, I, yep. it would be surprising to me that it was all a mass psychosis situation. Yep. But, and then I, I have heard the defense that it's demons. I wouldn't put it past the evil one, the devil. I wouldn't put it past him to take the image of, Somebody who died. Oh, and like a trick. And try to use that to trick people. And if he was able to convince one person, then maybe he rides that for a little while at that same location. I could see that being a scenario where you get multiple people seeing the same person. But it is uncanny how many people think they've seen people that that are resembling 
and representing themselves right, right. as people from a past life. There is, um, he actually has a show on Netflix that came out like a couple weeks ago, but I have seen just clips of his YouTube show. He's like a celebrity medium. Really, honestly, he's probably our age or younger, but he would like contact loved ones, deceased loved ones for yeah. them. And the clips that I saw, like, it's so hard because you're like, I don't, there's, I don't see this guy being a con artist. Cause like, what, that's your option, right? Either he's delusional, he's a con artist and doing it purposely, or something's going on kind of a situation. Yeah. And I, I don't like to think about it truthfully. Yeah. And I think if you start thinking about it, there's a lot of, a lot of different routes you could go. Right. If you want to go down the route of trying to be as black and white as possible and saying, okay, if this is all true, what is happening here? But let's take the gospel and Jesus at his word and everything that we know to be true in Christianity, then how could these reconcile? Right. The most obvious thing to say is that the devil is is in some way communicating with this medium, which is pulling people away from Christ because it is allowing you to think you're talking to your loved ones. And to that point, some people might say, well... How does the devil know all this stuff about these about these dead people? Well, I mean, he is a spiritual being. He probably sees them hanging out in in wherever they're at. Right. Well, uh two things. One, but this is this is obviously like right, 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 way right, more right. thought than well, that we should also, even think. Well, and also like I I always like to also remind myself that we as Christians, again, like we are we're coming from our own theological point of view. Even with the Bible, we don't have all the answers. Yeah. Like we, we're making some educational guesses and a lot a lot of these things we know, but a lot of these things God does not inform us of. And so, well, you know, we're, I think it's a bit arrogant for us to assume we do know all the answers and have 100% certainty in a lot of this stuff. I mean, you see time and time again where uh, people in the Bible think something and are completely wrong <laughs> at the end of it. So I think there's like a healthy humility of saying, you know what, like, I don't know. Second thing is, what do you make of those mediums who talk to dead dogs? <laughs> what? <laughs> Have you not seen those? Mediums talking to dead dogs? Yeah, man. That I think is just some con artist stuff. I have never heard about this. <laughs> I don't even want to hear about this. We'll just move on. That's we don't need to talk about. I mean, I may be a cat whisperer, and you, for, you are for sure a cat. Whisperer. Animals just come to me, but I I will never pretend to talk to a dead animal. Speaking of spirits of the dead, <laughs> what what a great segue! <laughs> In Allie's seg- continuing segment of things that I think are cool that you probably the people <laughs> listening probably I mean this whole podcast people are probably like this is. Allie thinks weird things are cool. America's largest cave figures discovered in Alabama. The carvings, which may show spirits of the dead and are almost invisible, have been revealed by advanced photographic techniques. Did you see this? I did see it. This is this is fascinating. Okay, do you want do you want to go? Do you want to tell me what you what you No, I didn't about read it? it. I just read the <laughs> It's fascinating, uh, didn't read it. I read the title, I saw the pictures, and I thought about it. And that was it. Okay, well, roughly 1,000 years ago, artists working by the light of burning reeds carved figures into the ceiling of a cave in what's now Alabama, crouching in the narrow space below. Over the millennium that followed, the carvings became almost invisible to the naked eye as they got covered by the mud that naturally accumulated on the cave's walls. Now those carvings have been revealed by advanced photography as the largest set of carvings ever found inside a cave in North America. Some of them depicting figures almost seven feet long. Wait. Why long? Why that not means high? that there high. are figures that are seven feet tall? Well, they probably drew it. Why would that be strange, seven feet tall? They drew it in a way that they're not actually, like, they wouldn't be standing. They'd be laying. So maybe they're long. Oh. I'm going to interject a random story. I, You don't need to know why, but I Googled how tall God is. <laughs> and apparently the Mormons and um, the prosperity gospel crowd 
believe God is uh, six foot two. Anyway, there you go. <laughs> Do you think that's going to come back to like Antichrist height? Six <laughs> foot two. That's a dangerous height. Did you know that there's a, like a large group of theologians who don't think that scripture is talking about a literal like person of an antichrist? No, I did not know that. I'll be the first to say I would not be surprised if it was, if it was, <laughs> no, nah, I won't say it. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, but, okay. if, but if you don't want to say it, I'm going to trust you and keep moving. <laughs> <laughs> Several of the carvings seem to show people wearing Native American regalia, such as headdresses, and carrying what appear to be rattles. Researchers think they could represent spirits of the dead. I don't know why Native American headdresses and rattles make them think it's spirits of the dead. Here is something that I've learned on the Meat Eater podcast. Oh, do we? Can we have like a little belding every yeah. time you mention well, either that's, your podcast that's or on the you. Meat Eater you gotta, podcast? You got to add those in. <laughs> so that's know. all post editing. Oh my God, I didn't even tell you because <laughs> you don't listen to this podcast. <laughs> oh no, what happened? <laughs> I thought it was so funny, and I hope everyone else enjoyed it too. But last episode, uh, I asked you to tell me like names of people, and we had to cut it. And so instead of just like names some people that are calling you Joe, just J O, and you didn't want to say their name on air, so I was oh. like, "Well, tell me, and I'll cut it." So I, I cut it, but I put some like fun music <laughs> for like five <laughs> seconds. <laughs> I thought it was a fun little interlude. I had fun with that. <laughs> well, good. I hope you all had fun with that, so too. So now you can add these little bells every time I mention some other podcast. Right, right, but right. on the Mediator podcast, they mentioned there's this there's this pretty common theme in anthropology that if there is something that the anthropologists don't understand, nine times out of ten, they claim that it must have spiritual significance. So in this scenario, when you've got these pictures and these guys have rattles and headdresses, they don't know why. They don't know who these people are. Therefore, it must have sp- spiritual significance. Well, archaeologist Jan Simek says that they are either people dressed in regala to look like spirits or they are spirits. <laughs> there you go. Spiritual significance. <laughs> Anywho, I thought it was cool. And this article, I, I'll put in the show notes, but these photos are I'm, dope. What I, wanted, I may have uh, I may have misspoke. I think I said anthropology. I mean, archaeology. Got it. We'll forgive you. All Thank the you. anthropologists listening. Anthropology is like the study of, of people. Cultures, right. Archaeology is prehistoric people. Right, right, right. Um, I think they'll forgive you. But yeah, those pictures are dope. They're really cool. Yeah. It's it's fascinating to think, one, the process of making those those carvings, and then how long and, and how we ended up taking pictures and realizing they're there. You want to know something that I think is fascinating? Yes, tell okay, me. Okay, so I'm teaching myself Hebrew right now that we don't need to get into it, except I'm going to get into it a little bit because it's the point of the story. I One, I didn't know that, that Hebrew... And is is one of the Semitic languages, which essentially those are like the first languages ever. Okay. And Egyptian and uh, like Assyrian, whoever else was hanging out there with the Hebrews, and then the Semitic languages, which is like the Hebrews. Essentially, all the tribes like Canaanites, Edomites, they're all like from the same peeps. Um, they all started out as little pictures. That except hieroglyphics kind of stayed with the hieroglyphics. Um, as Egypt developed, but Semitic languages actually turn into an alphabet. Aleph, which is the name of the of their version of A, and Bet, which is their version of B, is where you get alphabet from. But it, there was a chart uh, in my Intro to Hebrew Bible class that was t- showing like the um, the transitions just throughout time of how these letters came to be. And it was so interesting because they all started out as like pictures that you would like cave dwelling pictures of Mm. like a antelope. And slowly over time, that like consistent picture of an antelope turned into what is now uh, the A. The word antelope. No, the A. Like the actual, well, like again, in, in, in Semitic languages, it turned into an alphabet. 
hieroglyphics, it was just pictures representing things. Mm. But it turned anyway. It was very, very interesting how the how I mean, again, I I yeah. get I can nerd out pretty easily about random stuff. I just think it's fascinating how we developed a a, a language, a language, right? Because yeah. Jake's learning to read right now, and that's hard. And I'm yep. trying to learn Hebrew, which is a completely different alphabet, which has given me way more uh, perspective into how hard it is for little kids to learn how to read. Uh, it's just fascinating that we even figured it out. Way to go, humans. Way to go, us. Because that's like... <laughs> it's tricky. <laughs> it's a lot. Yeah. Anyway. Based on based on these people, seven feet, seven feet long, wearing headdresses with rattles, what are they saying? That's Tell all me. that's all the article. What do you mean? That's all what Well, do you mean? are these hieroglyphics? And if they are, are they saying like this is they're this not, is the right. way to the bedroom? They're not hieroglyphics. <laughs> like I mean what, <laughs> what not, are they trying to well, use? What's not, this sign telling they're you? They're not hieroglyphics because hieroglyphics are specifically for Egypt in Egyptian <laughs> okay. uh, culture. So that's not the right terminology. I I don't know. I don't know. I don't to my knowledge Best sleeping cave. Mm-hmm. To my Maybe knowledge, the Native, Amer- the Native Americans didn't have a written actual language till much, 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 much later. And if, you know what I mean? Yep. I don't think they had an alphabet. But I don't know anything about Native American history, so do not quote me. Go research it, because I <laughs> I feel like that's, that's going to get me into trouble. <sighs> but if you want to get into another rabbit hole, which you won't go down, if you want to go on the Nephilim hunt and start learning about Nephilim in the Bible, they're <laughs> always over nine feet tall. <laughs> So there you go. <laughs> so this is not quite a Nephilim. A Nephilim. Um, no, but Goliath in the Bible, I think, was nine feet tall. I think that's what it says. But speaking of Native Americans, wow, what are we are just really getting into these great segues. This is becoming this our podcast is becoming Segway intro, City. <laughs> it's becoming introduction to segues. <laughs> How to do segues when you shouldn't be able to do segues. I will say this is a depressing story. So uh, let's get all of the giggles out now. Yeah. Um, But, and I don't know if you saw this. Uh, Was it last year? Canada released like multiple articles about their indigenous boarding schools. Quick history lesson. Um, Essentially when, um, when Europeans and I guess later Americans were colonizing the West they were one trying to steal native americans lands and then trying to quote unquote civilize them so they typically would shove all the children into these indigenous board boarding schools we call them native american boarding schools down here they are they call them indigenous up in canada um but canada released these multiple reports and i think they're still coming out with reports um of how many children were actually not only were they molested a lot of the times and abused in these schools, but they were also like killed, like in mass proportions and like over, it's like thousands of, they've like found thousands of indigenous kids graves, um, at these boarding schools in Canada. Well, um, the United States just released their report, um, on our native American boarding schools. And it's not, it's, it's pretty messed up. Um, let me see. The Interior Department documented more than 500 deaths of indigenous children, but it's far from a complete count. They said they've got a long way to go. They're doing a lot more research. The report identified over 400 schools and more than 50 grave sites and said more grave sites were likely to be found. And then they said it's at least 500 Native American, Alaska Native and Native Hawaiian children died while attending Native American boarding schools run or supported by the U.S. government. Wow. It's one of those things where it's like, it's sad to read this stuff, but also it's important to know this stuff because we could easily, like people are like, oh, well that was like hundreds of years ago. But like we, it was like what, 80 years ago that we put all uh, Japanese immigrants into internment internment camps camps at the same time that the Nazis were putting Jews in internment camps. Like it's important to know this stuff. Yeah. And it's also, it really isn't. So 80 years. Yeah, that is. It's not that long. You could, you could know somebody who could have been in one of those camps. Right. Right. And even today with, with our friends in Alaska, it wasn't their parents, but it was their grandparents that physically had 
either rights or lands or some something some part of their indigenous culture right that was told to them you are no longer allowed to practice this right because this is not american well that's what's interesting too i'm i'm learning hebrew on duolingo and it it was telling me like other options of languages to learn and they specifically said hey you can learn hawaiian and they categorized hawaiian as a dying as an endangered language yeah which i i didn't I guess it makes sense because I guess I've heard that before, but I was like, wow. And also how cool that Duolingo is teaching that because I think that, that that's what I've also heard about Native American tribes is like yep. they also have a hard time passing down these languages and cultures to the next generation because they don't have that many people who know it still. And so yeah. that, like, that's why it's dying is like not only like there may be a lack of interest from younger generations, but also they just don't have that many people who still know it. Yeah. I mean, imagine keeping a language in your head that you don't use all the time and you can't talk to everybody in it. Like, that's hard to retain that language knowledge. Yeah, it is. And that is uh, it's a sad part to see that culture being lost. There you go. Yeah. That's been headlines with Allie. That's, uh, that's, that's a it. real bummer note to end on. <laughs> 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 Thanks for that. I will say we're watching this show called Outer Range on Amazon Prime. Is it on Prime? I guess it's Prime, right? I, it's, what yeah, is I think Prime, it's on Prime now? Prime is everything. Yeah, it's on Prime. Okay. Um, it's called Outer Range and it uh, has a lot of Native American. There's your, there's your segue. There's a lot of a Native American culture in it. I would say the important part there is that this is, I think it is modern, modern-ish in the past. Right. We've only seen one cell phone though. Yeah. I can't remember if it is, I can't tell if it's like 1990 or 2010 or or what. present day. Right. But I think the whole point there is that whenever that was, it's obviously our lifetime. And during our lifetime, there is still significant racism and segregation. Oh, right. Even to, right. To indigenous people. And that's that's no fun. Um, side note, and I promise this is not a unofficial sponsor of Duolingo, but you can also learn Navajo on Duolingo, which is an in, a dying language. But those were the two that it advertised. Is Cherokee me. on there? I haven't. Literally, I got like an email like, "Hey, like you're learning Hebrew. How about like how about you just add another language onto it? How about Hawaiian or Navajo?" I'm like, you know what? I'm going to stick with Hebrew. But that's awesome that you do it. But they also have Dothraki from Game of Thrones. <laughs> Now, that's a language that needs to die. Which, honestly, how much of a, like, nerd, and I'm talking about the author, not, I mean, if someone wants to learn Dothraki, that's fine. But that you, because I know that J.R.R. Tolkien, he actually created Elvish. Yeah. Which apparently is not on Duolingo, which that's a travesty. But then, like, how do you make it, that, again, the history of linguistics, how do you just make a language for the fun of it? You have too much time on your hands is (laughs) how. (laughs) That's the only way. You just like, just pick up a couple of like Scrabble tiles and throw up in the air. Like that's going to be the rearranged version of, I don't understand. Language is hard for me. I'm not a writer. I don't understand it. I don't get it. But there you go. And I would imagine that most of those are, the way that I would do it, if I were to be creating a language, I would look at, the culture that is either most similar to the culture that I am creating, whether that's an elven. Are you talking about like in real, like you're going to just go and do your own, yeah, like, like create your own let's cult take the, or like you're writing a book? Let's take the Dothraki, for example. Right. They were a nomadic, horse riding Kind of Middle eastern kind of. I would put them in like a Middle eastern Right, Arabic. Arabic kind of group. Mm-hmm. So I would look at Arabic languages, I would kind of go back and forth in time, see it, and then just try to progress that into the future. Do you think uh, Tolkien looked at like Welsh? Oh yeah, that's what I would. That's what I would guess. Yeah, I would think that that would be the way that you would do it. Is take Icelandic for example. Icelandic is very similar today's Icelandic is very similar to the same that they were speaking 
600 years ago. In Iceland? In Iceland. Wow. And that's And that's because it is a very isolated community. So they have not had the amount of input as as say we have had right. or as other cultures have had to evolve the language. So somebody who learns Icelandic today can do pretty good reading the original stories from somebody like Snorri Snorrison. <laughs> I think I, you just like motion to me like of course you know, you know. Snorri. <laughs> Who? Just like these 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 I original no these original Icelandic mythology writers. Okay. <laughs> so they can still read their stories in the original print. Okay. Whereas it's So ancient Icelandic and modern Icelandic are very fairly similar. similar. And then to modify that into a new language, you could like jump back in time and then start mixing around the words, mixing around how you would speak. You know, just like you'd basically just tweak that language a little bit is what I would think you would do. With you learning Hebrew, how earlier there was one of the sentences that you learned was like, he tweeted. Right. Like that's something that you wouldn't get. Right. You don't get that in Icelandic unless it is like. They'll just say the American version It would be like, they would either say the American version or it would be like literally the bird sang a song or something like that. (laughs) The digital bird sang a song. I don't know. It would be something weird like that. That's when one thing that I th- that has been fun with learning Hebrew, like in tandem with this, uh, the Bible class that I just finished, is that there are words in Hebrew that we do not have like an English translation for, and and that's why you have all these different English translations. It's, it's just different attempts to try to explain the word in English terms. Yep. Um, and then vice versa, like there'll be a word in English that like the Hebrews would not have, and not just like a tweet, like a modern technological thing, but there's just like certain words that you would be like, well, how do you explain that? Yeah. Right. And a lot of just like cultural context. And then also like geography, like, you know, like they didn't have all of the plants and stuff that we have and oh, stuff like yeah. that. It's just interesting how like to think about how things are explained which makes you just wonder like what are we really talking about in revelations <laughs> like come on like yeah, what is right. this what is this i don't know <laughs> what are these things <laughs> we talked a little bit about it in my class but not enough for me to confidently talk about it on this podcast <laughs> just go do the class guys it was so much fun i did it in two weeks which truthfully was a bit of an aggressive pace um but I, it was mind blowing. It, so the summary is: I feel like I have been given a decoder ring to uh, read the Bible in a much more mind blowing way. Mm. And if you too want the decoder ring, go take this class or join me because I'm about to start another one. I'm glad you're enjoying your free classes associated with with uh, the Bible, the Bible project. project. I'm glad that they're doing that and and sharing all of this knowledge and it's giving you a a stronger or a new Dakota ring to look through the Bible with. Speaking of free, this week I want to have a moment of silence. We have to have a moment of silence because we missed dumpster diving season. We woke up this morning and we were like, fudge. Today is the SMU's graduation ceremony. I found out yesterday that SMU is graduating today, which means all the dumpsters are gone. We missed it. They don't have those dumpsters out for graduation. Ah. Tell you what. So we don't have, we don't have our big name sponsors. Joe, I'm looking at you in the eyes. We cannot forget next year. Oh, we didn't forget this year. I forgot. I just had so much stuff going on and I thought that. I legitimately thought we would have one more week because I graduated on the 20th of May. So I don't I don't know how it works that they graduated on the 13th or the 14th 
but it kind of makes sense, I guess. But it still feels like it's a week early. Mm. So I was I was fully I was mentally preparing myself last week. Like, okay, I'm gonna get stuff done. Monday I've got a bunch of deadlines. But then the rest of the week, like I can I can get out there and try and get some stuff. And then I got a text message Friday saying, Oh, tomorrow's graduation. I remember all this stuff, yada yada yada. And I was like, oh, oh, if tomorrow's graduation, that means dumpster diving was not, not really this week, but it was actually last week. So does this mean that sponsor, not sponsor is over? Say it isn't so. No, no, it's no, still that, here. That no, we've got, we've got all. plenty of free stuff laying around the house. I didn't realize that was a requirement. No, actually it's not even a requirement. <laughs> But I would say I bought you a hat. Yeah, I spent money on one. We, <laughs> yeah, and remember, you can always send us hats, and I'll talk about it on the air. But I just wanted to give a a quick another downer to to end the episode <laughs> because we didn't help the environment this week by saving things from the landfill, and we didn't get cool new stuff. And by new, I mean trash. That we think is cool. <laughs> okay, we're going to go. All right. Well, on that note, we're going to go. I hope everybody's enjoyed the show today. And if you want us to talk about anything in particular, feel free to text us or send us an email or or leave us a review that says, Hey, guys, I wish you would talk about this more. We can talk about it, whether we know about it or not. With that, we're going to go. Allie and Joe are out. But here we're going to go. 